Do you like to read? Are you tired of the podcasts out there that just skim the surface of books? Or how about the book clubs that are designed to just get you to buy the book? Yeah, we were tired of those too. My name is Alan, and along with my friend Phil, I was tired of all of those superficial discussions of books. We wanted something deeper. So we created this podcast for us to discuss what we wanted, to dive deep into the books we read. Are you ready? Because this ain't your mother's book club. This is Two Dudes with an Opinion. And it's it's kind of it, it's funny and weird to think about because I'm only in my mid thirties and that's still relatively young. You're Although like I think the average, <laughs> ha ha ha. Um, I do think of myself as that, and that helps a lot. Um, it, it it's just kind of like, yeah, there's a reason for that, and it's all because like we could dive into. Um, brain development and things like that if we wanted to but ba- the long and short of it is that your brain does not stop developing until about age 25 um, for both men and women women it's a little bit earlier men it's definitely about age 25 and up until that point men are still very impulsive and and women tend to be that way too like i it's you're, you're still, they're still very, their, their brains are still very much flooded with hormones and, and things like that. And their prefrontal cortex hasn't fully developed. So it's hard for them to see like down the road and create plans and things like that, because that's what your prefrontal cortex is meant to do is help you see the consequences of your actions. And so that's why we kind of end up in situations of, all right, this is why it's good when you are, are younger to have people on your team who are older so they can help temper your um, younger impulses. So, and that's what we call teamwork. So let's dive into the episode. That's how you do a transition. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh man, this is your, um, I think you said this was one of your favorite uh, chapters. Uh, we are going to talk about chapter five in extreme ownership. This is part five of our discussion. Who knows how many parts this is going to be? We're just going to talk and talk and talk. Um, <laughs> and it's called cover and move. Uh, I, I, I don't feel personally, I, I didn't feel like the writing was very strong in this chapter as far as, um, explaining the, uh, the concept or the topic, but Phil, you have a different view of it, if I remember correctly. Am I, am I correct? Dude, you're correct. I, I like this one. It, it moves like so it. fast. This chapter goes by quick. In my yeah, mind. it does. I w- um, yeah. And the, the points are straight to the point. And <laughs> these are one of those things where you almost have to, and I think you have to have a little bit of life experience behind you or uh, a lot of screwing up at an early age, one or the other. That's for sure. So uh, I, I've had both, a lot, mostly a lot of screwing up, but but I got a little water in the bridge too. So to me, this is this is a fun one. Um, Phil's admitting that he was a delinquent. <laughs> um, delinquent is like 
above what I was in ability, right? Whoa. I was really <laughs> just an idiot. So uh, that, that, that <laughs> delinquents wildly. take like effort, right? <laughs> Idiots just kind of like flow around and they bounce the stuff. Stumbling and, you know, things. You, you can't call like a bull in the china chest a delinquent. Um, you should say he's out of place, right? So mm-hmm. <laughs> the, uh, I think that's, I think like I would have like a strive to be a delinquent. <laughs> I had such a vocabulary. Uh, so why don't you then talk to? Do you remember the anecdote, the 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 discussion um, that they had right at the beginning of the chapter? Yeah. So do the you combat anecdote. Yeah, was. it's a. It, I like. I, I will admit, I did like this story. I thought the story was good that they they brought up. Um, I because it is definitely something that I think everybody can relate to on some level. Uh, not necessarily the. Uh, the events of the story, but the uh, that whole thing that Phil was just talking about right at the end of it. So I, I think that I think that's relatable. But go on. <laughs> I, so th- there's a, there is a song back from the I think nineties. It Uh-oh. starts off as "Should I Go or Should I Stay?" Uh, no, that was not the nineties. <laughs> that was the eighties. Was that the eighties? Yes, because it was featured in Stranger Things Season 1. And uh, Stranger Things obviously takes place in about the mid-80s, mid to late 80s, actually. Okay, cool. So, (laughs) you're old. Mid to late 80s. I'm so old. Uh, I remember when MTV played music. Me Uh, too. I remember that. Too. It was sad when they made that transition. I think I just started skipping by it when they started doing reality TV. But these boys find themselves in in some trouble where they didn't have really the tactical advantage that they wanted. No kidding. Yeah. Nineteen eighty two. I can't believe that either. That's wild to me. <laughs> anyway, go on. Um, I was four. So oh, God. probably I didn't appreciate the song for all no, its I- cultural value. Probably not. <laughs> um, but it, it still it still brings a smile on my face. So good. Should the um, the guys find themselves? There's two teams. There's an, uh, a, I think a sniper Overwatch team OP one, and there's yeah. a, a assault team OP two. Yep. And they're um, you know they're taking a little bit of fire here and there. The they're basically they've been found out where the position is, and they realize if they stay there much longer. Uh, they're going to be in a poorly defended position, getting shot up by like everybody who wants to be a superhero from the Middle East. So <laughs> they decide to frog it back home. Um, All right, is that is, no? Is this Leith at this point? Yeah, it's life. Um, when you mean when you say frog it, what does that mean? Kind of like what you imagine, right? You, you one guy, you, one guy start shooting things, and another guy's move, and just jumping over, right? Just jumping around. So you, you imagine a lot of energy, a lot of lead, and a lot of explosions, and just <laughs> harmony, Middle East harmony, right? Harmony. Um, Basically, what you're saying over that one. <laughs> <laughs> basically whenever you watch a seal movie or, or a military movie of any sort and they're moving from building to building in the um 
whatever in the city or whatever. That's what they're doing. That's what, and that's what they did. Everybody's seen those types of things, scenes, and they are. Everybody's like, "Oh, that's so awesome!" Right, right. To tell you there. Um, so, right. oh man, uh, you know, even when you're there, it's good. That's good, right? That's character building. Um, it is. <laughs> so when uh, these guys end up getting back home, and the crew chief, very kindly, right, for probably how he felt at the moment, ripped into late. And, yeah. uh, and late's like, I got back. Nobody died. I'm fuck. I'm awesome. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, you got to feel that way, right? You just got yeah. out of a whole net yeah. rat's nest of trouble. Uh, and, but they kind of forgot their mission, right? Chief is like, you were out there to kill all the bad guys. The bad guys got in cars coming. You sent your overwatch home and you could have done a lot more damage and been safer. What you did was reckless. Yep. And I have had experiences like this where I was like, oh, right. I've had military experiences. Like, you know what? I'm dumb. I'm just dumb. Like, did I never learn a single thing in my life? Kind of dumb. And I, so I suspect I, I know how he felt at the moment. Not quite like that, but the, um, he realized that, yeah, he could have done a lot more damage. Right. Yep. Uh, been safer what he did was really hazardous and he probably didn't have any clue where op1 was the whole time yeah so they might have even run each other over and like they might have been trying to lay down support fire for him and shot him up Mm -hmm. so this uh this is kind of a a scary situation we kind of laugh about it now but the morals of the story is you got to moving cover isn't just about getting out of a bad situation and surviving it's really about covering each other taking a deeper look at it and figuring out how to work as a team mm-hmm. for the first time maybe when you didn't realize you were a team mm-hmm. oh it's it's part of the reason why i think why i said i think everybody can relate to this at some level because we've all had that situation in our lives where we come up with some sort of brilliant plan or brilliant idea and then we we go and we do it and it's awesome it works great the but then we present it or we show that plan or we do something or somebody comes in later and is like well wait why didn't you do it this way and we look at it we're like oh you're right (laughs) right I survived, but I totally yeah. forgot the mission. Exactly. Yeah. So, I, like I said, I, like I think everybody can relate to that, and it's just one of those things where we end up getting so caught up in our own ideas or our own little world that we forget the bigger picture of things, and it's just such an easy it's an easy thing to to happen to us um but anyway like they the way they put it is and and phil kind of alluded to it is put like they they say put simply cover and move means teamwork and what it's like it's hard like just teamwork in general is extremely difficult to to do 
Um, it's part of the reason why we as a society try to instill what we did. I don't know if we do anymore. You have kids. Maybe you can um, talk to this a little bit. I think it's part of the reason why, like for me growing up, we had uh, a lot of team sports and, and parents would always like every, it didn't matter. Everybody in school was in some form of a team sport. Um, we were, we were all doing that. We were all doing the, the, it was like for us, it was little league. Uh, all the boys were in little league. Uh, all the girls were in softball. It, it didn't matter. Like that's what we, we were. And, and I think that's part of the reason why they, they did that is I'm actually dancing around the point. <laughs> To teach teamwork, because in order to be, you know, if you're on a team, a sports team, in order to win, you have to work together. You have to communicate. You have to do all of these things. And wow, I never thought I would ever spout a sports analogy ever, because I am not like a, a huge sports person. So right now you tied it back to children and sports as well. Yeah, I know. Well, my brain just works that way. I tie everything together. <laughs> See, I don't. I just rip it all apart. Actually, uh, I like that aspect of it because you rip it apart, which then allows me the chance to go and look at everything in a different way. <laughs> right, right. And then, try to and then pull together. everything back together and then you rip it apart and we keep... <sighs> it's our whole thing. We complete each other. We're a yo-yo. Yeah. Um <laughs> It should be two, two dudes with a yo-yo. Oh, dude, that would be hilarious. And then, uh, anyway. <laughs> two yo-yos. Um, you know, I all these things, it's hard because it ties – to me, it ties a lot together. Uh, there's parts of ego that are, that are here. There's parts of situational awareness. There's just, there's also the challenge of uh, meeting the status quo and trying to figure out where you belong. It's, it's hard for one team to tell another team what they should do. Yeah. Right. That's a hard thing to do. It's going outside your comfort zone out of the standard status quo, unless you're brought up that way. Right. The, um, now these guys were kind of brought up that way in many ways, but, um, it doesn't come natural right mm-hmm. now after they did this i'm sure they were spectacular forever after that right um especially as a team when they were I working think they were, together i i would uh, i would say that they they were more aware of that need and so pushed it a bit more pushed themselves to do it more because so ooh. Okay, so as, as I may have alluded to over the last several podcasts, I'm I'm an instructor. I, I teach Android development. And one of the things that I, I definitely do when I'm giving uh, students feedback, and, and Phil can attest to this, is I can point out the, the stupidity. Um, I, I, as you're writing your code and, and people are writing their code, I can sit there and I can point out to you, hey, why didn't you do it this way? You like you wrote five lines of code when if you use if you do this, you only have to write one line of code. So things like that. Like that's 
that's my job as as the as the instructor is to to help you like point out your blind spots in your learning and um some of that tends some of that falls on me as the instructor like i didn't teach it right so i have to go back and and, and change things in the course um but when i point that out to you there's there, there's there's a thing that happens um so i've actually been reading another book called how to take smart notes and in it like i'm in a section and and, and they're talking about how we learn and what they say is that we learn by understanding and what we have been brought up to do um well okay when i say what we we i mean just in general it's probably not true like 100 percent true but just in general people have been brought up that learning is memorizing that learning is memorization um seth godin kind of talks about this a, a bit uh in a lot of his books and such uh where there it has there was a change in the way people learned over the past century um and it's all meant and intended to fit make you a cog in a giant industrial complex of things and so all of that is basically you are a like you have to memorize your specific job and do that well part of the issue at that point is that well that's not how we learn we learn through understanding um think back to some of the lessons and such over the years in grade school and high school like the ones that really stand out to you as things that you remember because you understood why not not just understood the lesson like but you understood why you were learning it you understood the context in which it was being you were being taught the uh taught it like how does it fit in with like life as a whole and and how that fits in with everything so when we are presented with these types of situations of uh that life was presented with or that I present to my my students it's easier at that point for for someone to remember the lesson going forward because that that lesson is grounded and anchored into an experience but it does not necessarily mean that you are going to remember that lesson all the time and apply that lesson all the time or maybe you'll remember it but you won't be able to apply it very well so in, in my view kind of in that, that that was like a really roundabout way to get kind of back to what you were saying i suspect that they were better at recognizing when they needed to be more communicative with their other teams or whenever they needed to start using uh other teams in their operations and stuff but i would say it may have taken it may take more and more tries to get better and better and better at it which is part of the reason why that chief recognized the issue because the chief had probably done the same thing in the past and screwed up or his lieutenant had done something in the past and, and screwed up and so then he had to apply it over and over again. So now he's trying to teach Leif 
hey, you got to go and you got to do this over and over and over again. Um, it's funny that whole discussion was not necessarily about teamwork and and cover and move, but uh, but more about learning and applying learning and stuff. But you know, <laughs> that's kind of what you do. As the whole book is about learning. That is um, true, and, and learning from others. And learn from others. The um, I've I've gone through the whole book at least twice. Oh, I'm I'm on my third iteration now, <laughs> um, and I probably go through these three or four times before the call. Um, so I'm still getting value from it, right? I'm still seeing seeing this, and a lot of that's because uh, other, you know, I know I look perfect, but when I look back, wow. I see some of the times I wasn't perfect. Yeah. Uh, I know I just lost everybody that thinks I'm perfect, but oh, I mean, <laughs> there goes one percent. There goes one viewer. Um, the uh, but uh, you know by applying to it through your there's two ways to get experience one is to do it and one is to visualize yourself going through the process immensely so mm -hmm. the, uh, you can speed up your learning process by visualizing the success points but also you can uh learn through going through something and you know imagine what happened and uh, you know for those of us that have you know sometimes a dark uh, sense of humor uh it doesn't have to be a perfect visualization to learn from it true very true so all right <laughs> <laughs> coding chief hill uh, what what coding chief hill oh okay 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 <laughs> i was gonna say don't call me chief <laughs> <laughs> the but chiefs would get very upset at me for that <laughs> Right, no, coding GFL, and, and I can say that because the like you know your your code reviews are like a little mini uh, dragging somebody <laughs> under the bullet pit and through the mud and around the hill a little bit. So still done lovingly, you know, maybe not I, as lovingly as as their chief, <laughs> but. <laughs> He, he he was all sunshine and, sunshine and daisies compared to some of my code reviews. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I believe it. Um. And I will fully admit that I would do that in, uh, in when I was say, in doing uh, development full time and doing reviews uh, on people full time. Like that's, I think it should be standard. Yeah. What? I think it should be standard not to do kid gloves, just to. Um, I think the earnest is on the person getting the review to put as much effort that you uh, actually, I think the person getting the review should put in 10 times the effort of the person doing the review. I agree so, with that a hundred percent. Um, it's like essentially when somebody's doing you a code review, it's a, a personal favor to help you get better. Right. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah. Don't bother getting your code reviewed. Go out, fail publicly, and see how that helps your career. Yep. So, or the yep. customer or the company you work for, right? Yep. So it's really an act of compassion to give a no BS review and try to work in some learning points and uh, to be open enough to do that because it's a it's it takes a lot of vulnerability to tell somebody how messed up they are. I actually like that you uh, use the term compassion because there is a talk uh, from a past 
uh, Swift conference called Compassionate Code Reviews. It's um, oh, uh, it's a good talk. Um, I'm so I, I will admit I'm not exactly a huge wishy like a huge fuzzy touchy feely person when it comes to code reviews and such because in my view. Like your your code review is you are like I'm sorry it's going in it's not yours anymore the code that you write is not yours and so one of the hardest things that you have to do and we actually I actually kind of we kind of talked about it a little bit at the beginning of this um, one of the hardest things that you can do is separate yourself from your code and it's like. One of the biggest problems I see in society in general these days is people identify themselves with things way too easily or maybe not easily, um, maybe easily is a bad word for it, but strongly like they identify themselves with things very strongly. And as a like a, a developer or programmer, it's too easy for us to fall into the trap of identifying ourselves with our code, like thinking that our code is us. And so then when someone comes in um, with a code review and it's anything less than glowing, uh, like, ooh, good job, uh, we, we take that personally. And, and I'm using the term we because I used to do this and it took me a while to separate it. In fact, I still struggle with it. And what I'll do whenever I get a, uh, a review comment that sparks up a negative a reaction internally to me is I'll step back and I won't respond to the, the PR or look at the PR uh, for honestly for up to 24 hours. Like I will give myself the time to, to step back and let it mull in the back of my brain so that by the time I come back to it, I will have processed the um, processed the feedback and yeah, um, do, 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 uh, process the feedback and then be able to like respond properly to the feedback and stuff. Um, but I also going back to the whole compassionate code review thing. I also think that the whole idea is it's like what Phil said, like having giving somebody a code review and like giving them good feedback on it, whether or not that's things like, um, Hey, you should do this or, Hey, go take a look here. Like things like that is your, like you're being compassionate. Like this, this goes back to the teamwork thing, the, the cover and move aspect of, of everything that we are talking about right now, because we like your goal as a team is to produce <laughs> I'm in the middle of Grand Central Station. Apparently. <laughs> Your goal as a, a development team is to produce the best code possible, the best product possible with the fewest bugs like your your goal like when you are going and you're sitting down as a project you need to sit down with the end user in mind don't think about like the don't just think about the code the code that you're writing don't just think about your client think about your client's user because when you start thinking about your client's user and you keep that in mind you're going you're going to approach your code in a very different way you're going to approach the way that you build the app in a very different way like something much um much better and so with that in mind too you're going to approach your code reviews in a different way and you're going to be helping not just 
the person you're going to be helping the client and the user get the best product possible. So like you, you need to approach these with as much compassion as possible thinking, I want this person to succeed because when they succeed, I succeed. And when I succeed, the team succeeds. And when the team succeeds, the user succeeds, like things like that. You need to have that type of a vision and that compound and, and start working with each other uh, closely and, and just helping each other grow through your code reviews and stuff. That's part of the reason why we do them. I actually have a really good story about teamwork um, from my last uh, company, and it's um, it's pretty pretty important. I would say uh, it shows like it shows you how important it is to keep the communication going and, and to talk about talk to people about stuff. So we. I cannot mention, I cannot and will not mention clients, um, on this, on this podcast, uh, because it's very, just because of stuff. Um, I was working with a client and they had an augmented reality, uh, portion of their app. So for those who don't know, augmented reality, when you, when you, uh, launch it, it basically takes your, uh, feed from your camera, shows it on your phone, and then lay, overlays an image or images on top of the feed in the camera. It looks really cool. It works out really well when it's done right. Like they it's, are it's really good. Yes. Um, but it hasn't quite caught on as much as I think it should. Uh, I think like a lot of people talk about VR being the future and the metaverse being the future. I think that's part of it, but I think the the, the first step in that or, or the better step is going to be an augmented reality world where we're seeing like we're putting um, like the whole I think they're totally different. They are, but they're not like it, it, the whole it's it's interesting. So anyway, um, without diving into that whole discussion, <laughs> we could go down that rabbit hole forever and ever. Right. And there are whole other podcasts de- dedicated to it. Um, so they had an augmented reality portion of it. And, and one of the big things that I kept trying to push and, and trying and trying to push the client to do was their augmented reality team was completely separate from us as the mobile team. Like just completely and utterly separate. We had no idea what they were doing. None. And what, unfortunately, what happened very often is the team would come to us and say, we're, we are ready. We have an update to the AR component. We want it to do it now and we want to get it out in two weeks. And we'd be like, hold your horses there. What the no, not happening. Because the problem was we had already had our, we as the, the mobile team, we had our, our priorities already lined up. We, we had like this feature work that we were doing. We had these th- these bugs that we were trying to get out. We had these, th- uh, so many other things lined up that, and, and everything being tight, we couldn't like just shoehorn it in. Well, unfortunately, we often had to shoehorn it in because the AR stuff would be tied to uh, company-wide marketing events and things like that. So we had to do it. Well, that's bad. Like there, there's a lot of there was a lot of breakdown uh, there because it was always it always ended up being 
la like last minute like we would be working until the very last second to get the new ar stuff incorporated into the rest of the app and then released out into uh into the wild for for the users and so you're the telling big, me nobody knew when big events were happening in the company so the problem the the problem was that they like some people did but it wasn't being filtered down to us at the team, like the lower level, the people who are lower level and stuff. So one of, one of the things that I want everybody to, to think about is when you are at that high level, and I think we, I think they kind of talk about this here and there uh, throughout the book. Um, you got to think about like when you are at the high level and there are like these, the frontline workers. So like coders are, would be considered the frontline workers and things like that. You cannot hide these things from them, whether intentionally or unintentionally. And, and in this case, it was unintentionally. You have to make sure that they understand and they know what's coming up. They need, like you, frontline workers very much get funneled into the, um, uh, into like what what's right in front of them. They get, they get stuck in it. In fact, I think we kind of talk about this a bit more in... I would uh, say if your coders get stuck with a problem at task, you're awesome. So many coders get stuck with an imaginary project for a tangent somewhere yeah. off in the space. Yes, 100% true. And and you've got to, and that's where your senior coders need to come into play and, and work with, uh, with, with them and, and, and fix that. There, anyway, there's like, throughout the book, they talk about this a lot. Your frontline workers are just, they, they get so zoomed in, so focused in on what's right in front of them that they miss the big picture. They miss the strategic vision of um, everything that's going on. And, and in some ways you want that because it's the frontline workers who are doing like, who are doing the actual work of getting the product out the door. But in a lot of ways, you can't have that because if we go back to my example, what I'm talking about, like it really messes with the plan, like everybody's plans when you come in out of the blue and say, hey, stop what you're doing, go work on this now. Like you're screwing up a lot of stuff. And the thing is, if you're high, if you're higher up in, in, in um, the business and company and stuff, and you see things like this that are coming down the road and you know it's going to affect your team in even a minute way, it is your responsibility as the leader for your team to come and tell your team what's coming up. They need to know. And if you do not tell them that and you do not like make them aware of it, I'll say it flat out. You are, you are a bad leader. Like you're just bad at your job. And it's very, very important that you. It should like, have been like the second this. time that they said, we need to get this out. There's events that's happening when everybody should have realized, okay, they have events and they have a schedule. We need yes. to look at that. Like it should have gone yeah. past the second time. It, but it, like this was a this was a a constant um, pattern with this client, like just a constant pattern with them. It didn't matter. And the thing is, like, like once somebody asked me at one point, and they're like, "Hey." we've got this AR thing coming down the road. They want it done in like such and such. How long, like we want to be done in a couple of weeks. Um, I told him like, nope, nope, 
nope, nope, nope, not going to happen. Never. Uh-uh. And I straight up told, and I straight up told him, like, we cannot do this in the timeline that they are they are proposing. They need to be coming to us far much further in advance than this because what you they are what they propose and things like that. It's like it's too tight of a deadline. It's way too tight. And every single time that we had done any sort of AR stuff in, in the past, it took forever. And, and, and the thing is, like, I'm talking very specifically about this one example, but I guarantee you anybody in any industry can find something like this. Like, they can see it. And, and, and part of the issues, like, there, there are many different issues. One, com- um, strategic communication, mission view of that. Uh, they, 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 they were not, um, the, the leadership uh, on my side were aware of what was coming down the line, but weren't communicating it down to us uh, on the frontline side. Um, the AR team was not doing the cover and move aspect of this because the, um, they should have been con- like in constant communication with us saying, Hey, we're working on this right now. Hey, we're getting ready. Hey, can we get, can we start doing some test, um, test integrations? Can we start moving through some of the process now, like months and months in advance? Like as soon as they started doing some updates, they should have said, look, can we do, can we start doing some throwaway stuff? Like just do a quick integration test, like the whole flow and, and integration integrating into the app. Like, can we start doing that right now? Like they didn't communicate with us at all. Now on our side, we didn't communicate with them either. We didn't reach out to them and ask, Hey, do you have something coming up? Hey, can we, can we get your latest code and start integrating it in here? Hey, what are some of the steps? What are you changing? Like what, what's going on? Things like that. Like there, there is a leadership all- failure because they need to say, we have two teams that need to work in tandem. Yes. And you guys need to kind of work together. It's not even like the example in the story, it was like two different subsidies, right? But you yeah. guys are essentially like one company working. I mean, you're just like, even if you're on different well, buildings, you had to realize that the mission was so well tied together. But it's the same thing, even with their, with what they were talking about in their, um, in the uh well wait are you talking about the business anecdote at the end of the chapter yeah. or yeah i'm talking oh, about okay, the business okay. anecdote at this point yeah cool 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 yeah no yeah it's just it's so ridiculous it's like um so phil why don't you fill uh, the listeners in on on that anecdote okay so this is a fun anecdote because i won't offend anybody for the first oh, time since I've yeah never <laughs> never so you have one awesome you know, manufacturing company that makes his best stuff ever. And there's some idiot evil drivers out there <laughs> that uh, don't, you know, don't want to pay more for gas and don't want to hire people and don't want to <laughs> deliver my stuff because Putin is the problem. <laughs> We're going there. <laughs> so I blame Putin for everything. It's the reason my kids are on crack. Wait, what? (laughs) Um, (laughs) Phil, do do we need to have an intervention here? (laughs) Maybe. Okay, but what I'm saying is, so so there's this manufacturing company. We all know how people who create, (sighs) creators of art or gadgets or gizmos or code, we... Or like just just shy of God, right? So <laughs> there actually is. We a understand quote. that everybody else that gets in the way 
uh, doesn't understand our problems, right? So the, these guys, there's a manufacturing company. I don't know what they're producing, but they're having problems because the guys that they were relying on to get the product delivered, which was part of the same company, was causing them causing them to be late. Yep. And uh, from the story, it sounds like they really were, right? Yeah. Uh, and that's a difficult thing to kind of swallow until you accept that it's your problem also and yeah. reach out and see what it was, right? I, I'm surprised yeah. Alan didn't at that point reach out to the, the crew chief of this other uh, augmented reality group and say, hey, what's coming down the line? What's going on? Um, what's up? What, why are we constantly butting heads like this? when we both think that each other's products are great and working for the same team. There, so, there's, there's reasons for that. <laughs> oh, come on. Okay. I want to hear about it in a few minutes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like good content, but so uh. essentially um, it took, it took the manager a while to accept that it was their problem. Right. Mm. And that he just, he had to get past using his excuse because it did affect him. And when it does affect you, it is your problem, right? Yep. So you, you kind of, first thing is accepting that and not letting it be an excuse anymore. So once you get to that point, uh, Leith was like, hey, um, it sounds like your problem because he had just said, it's not my problem, and but it is, right? And now he realizes it. So he had to swallow his pride some and say, hey, what's going on? He found out that the, comp the, part, the subsidy for delivering was way understaffed. Right. Yep. And there were, and when the, through just conversation uh, and looking at the process, they're able to, to help them out in regards yep. to what to coming down to their side. I don't know what it was. Maybe they helped load, maybe they helped prepare whatever. Right. But they realized their stuff, steps that they could affect uh, because they had the resources for it that this other yep. part didn't. And everything became much more successful. Um, all of a sudden, he probably had to find somebody else to blame for his failures. Yep. It's funny because like, I, I know I've said this before, but the more we read into this and, and maybe it's just the way my mind is oriented and in, in the way I, what I observe, I've observed a lot of over the years, everything comes down to communication. It just comes down to that. Um, because it's like, here, I'll, I'll read the, the, the expert excerpt from the book. Like, um, Leif says, it's about the bigger strategic mission. How can you help the subsidiary company do their job more effectively so they can help you accomplish your mission and you can win, you can all win? The production manager pondered this. He was still skeptical. Um, but then Jocko says, engage with them. Build a personal relationship with them. Like that's the, the biggest thing is the communication. Just communicating with each other, getting to know each other. And, and you know, and it's just like uh, Jocko said, like build a relationship with them. When, whenever you're having problems with things, with, with anybody on a team of any sort, it doesn't matter, like build a relationship with that person. I think Phil put it really nicely a while back with one of the, um, some of the, uh, some of this is, Take them out and have a beer with them if if you can. Um, because Coffee, the, if not beer, yep. Um, just something. sit Should down. Break bread with the guy. Yes, yes. Break bread with the person because 
everything like when you start doing that it, it well there so there's a reason why um ronald reagan in the 80s talked about um uh what was it uh, kitchen table politics uh or kitchen table issues why that became a big thing like he he, he said that a lot of the biggest issues in 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 the world uh come down to or all start get start to be solved at the kitchen table and it's because you're sitting down and you're having a conversation over food and, and you're just actually talking about um things with with people and, and it's like you got to have that relationship you have to have that that build that that trust between each other because once you have that and you have that relationship this whole concept of cover and move this whole concept of teamwork becomes easier in fact it's really interesting too because in, it's not just that you like is you go and you help your team it's that you want to help your team you want to help your friends i mean how many times do you have a friend who comes up to you and says i have a problem and, and you turn them away i mean think about it like it's very for the most part, whenever a friend comes to us and says, Hey, we, we want some, I need some help or, um, something along those lines, uh, um, you're, you you want to help them. Like you, you, you do because you have a relationship with them. You want to see that person succeed. And that, and I think that's another part of it too, is when you're working as a team and, and with like this whole concept of cover and move is you have to also want the other team to succeed. You have to also want to see them do well. It's like I was saying earlier, you, you have to step back from your vision of yourself and take a, take a view of the entire product and have an idea of what is going on. So that way you can work better within a team because you want to succeed. You want the team to succeed. So you're making lots of scritchy, scratchy noises over there. What? Oh, come on. <laughs> if you're going to be. Um, so this, it's not the time. It's not the place for it. But there's, there's okay. a, a Middle East uh, story. Uh, and I'm going to say how far back it goes. Uh, <laughs> um, your neighbor coming to you. And, and helping, right? It's a tradition. And I think I'm going to share this for the, the next section cool. um, because it's going to be a little bit long for this. <laughs> so that's uh, why I'm screaming. I don't want to interrupt your flow because nah, my flow is essentially done. I, I don't, it's funny because I don't feel like we've mined the depths of the topic of teamwork in general, but I do feel like we've mined the depths of this chapter. Um, what do you think? Is there anything else you yeah. want to cover? Um, if I can make fun of Putin one more time or Biden one more Always. time, that's cool. Make fun of but. anybody. I, I don't <laughs> care. Well, I shouldn't say anybody. Um, I just want to make fun of anybody. I need an excuse just to be mean. Um, do you really? No, invitation. No, you're right. I just need an invitation. I don't need <laughs> excuses. But no, the, uh, the, I think you see why I like this story so much i remember one time when i was an officer and i i looked back at something that i should have done and it should have been obvious but i was just like it was just outside of my scope just enough to not realize how beneficial it would have been if i just did it and yep. it's kind of like it's kind of it's kind of that it's not exactly moving cover but 
in the end, it ex- it's exactly moving cover because if I just did one thing, it, it really could have made a huge, huge difference. Yep. So I yeah. just, that's why I like this story so much because it's, it reminds me of so many things that I messed up. <laughs> yeah, I, I get it. I get it. I mean, I don't get me wrong. I, I thought th- I liked the, uh, the anecdote. I just, again, I, I feel like it was just kind of like a, a weak chapter because I feel like they could go, you could dive so deep on this and there's just so much more to talk about as far as teamwork and, and such. So, Anyway, all right. So we're gonna call it. That's it. We're gonna be transitioning now over to the uh, to. I guess we can call it the after show. I don't know. Uh, we need to come up with a better phrase phrase for it. Everybody has like some sort of after show. Um, it's for our paying members. Backstage. Only. Backstage. No, no. Somebody else uses backstage. <sighs> I don't know. We'll don't figure know. it out. I need to find some stripper friends that have good good ideas for that kind of stuff <laughs> you actually have stripper friends not anymore oh see <laughs> that's why you need to find them i need to find them <laughs> come on everybody has stripper friends you just don't know who they are and, and there there goes our pg-13 rating <laughs> <laughs> i don't know if we ever had it <laughs> yeah, yeah i'm pretty sure we didn't so anyway i hope everybody enjoyed and we'll continue this uh later All right, everyone, that's it for this episode, but our discussion didn't end here. We actually went on for another hour or so. If you would like to hear the rest of that discussion or the full unedited podcast, please head on over to two dudes with an opinion.locals.com. That's two, the number two, dudes with an opinion.locals.com. And for the just the price of a cup of coffee, you can hear that full unedited version. And if you want to talk to Phil and I directly, uh, just buy us a you know trip to McDonald's. That's it. That's all we ask. Anyway, if you enjoyed this and like what we are doing, please leave us a five star review in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcast. That really helps us in the charts. If you didn't enjoy it, well, well, I'm sorry. You can just drop Phil a line and, and let him know what you what you thought. And his uh, email is in the podcast notes. So just let him know. He likes to hear from you. Before you go, please hit that subscribe button so you can get the latest episode from us. Otherwise, you can find all of our social media uh, in the podcast notes if you want to connect us with us there. If you do all that, we'll continue bringing you these great episodes, these great discussions. Thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you later.